Last, the, the week before Christmas, the staff kind of got together and we started reminiscing about the highlights of 2009, the year of, of 2009, all of the great things that happened, the high points, if you will. And so this was kind of an impromptu meeting that you're going to watch about all, where all the guys got together and started hitting some of those highlights. And so if you take a moment, uh, turn your attentions to the screen and we want to talk about some highlights of 2009. Hey, I want to invite you into an impromptu meeting in the sanctuary. We're just hanging out. Somebody showed up with a camera, and we're trying to talk about the last Sunday of the year, and all of us are just brainstorming some highlights. Some of them are funny. Some of them are life-changing, but just throwing them all together, celebrating some things that happened in 2009 at North Place Church. So I'm just going to throw you into this really impromptu, thrown-together meeting, and... Uh, kind of catch some of the ideas of what happened, some lives that were changed, and some of the funny stuff that went on maybe you didn't even know about. So how about that elephant in the room, huh? <laughs> that series was good. <laughs> yeah, the elephant spit on Bear's glasses. I have a picture of it. That is true. It is true. It spit all over. Rusty and I were down there hanging out with the elephant, and all of a sudden I was like, the guy, the, the elephant trainer was like, hey, you know you can touch uh, the elephant's ears and all that stuff, and I walked up to it, and all of a sudden he was just like, all over. All over. It was disgusting. And I would do parking lots, so I remember... Um, I showed up early, and, and you know, when the, before all the cars are there, there's this big elephant walking from one end of the parking lot to the other. Um, we all knew it was coming, but we just really didn't expect it until we saw that big elephant walking. Through. I love that we had a giant traffic jam along Third Street. That was my yeah. That was a good good thing too for the parking lot. Uh, <laughs> I love the fact that the people who came on Easter Sunday chose the topics. Yeah. We were we knew that when we were preparing for sermons on Sunday that we were answering questions that people were asking. I love every Sunday that Pastor preaches. That's the moment I'll cherish. Every Sunday was phenomenal. Best ever. Did you get that on tape? This is it series. I mean, we took 90 years of a church's history. We went back and studied it, literally, mined the history, found out what God had been doing, what he's saying to us now, and we pulled out. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot on camera. What are those core values. I love how we just demonstrated it this past week with extravagant generosity and with the Dreams Come True series. Incredible. That's my favorite series yet. I'm relentless in passion. Intentional um, leadership. Biblical balance. Courageous faith. We've got Courageous local faith. expansion all yeah. over the place with Belize and all the different things that we've done and all our missions trips. Look at Mike. Mike, Mike he, wrote, he helped write the document. <laughs> but flunk the first test. <laughs> no. No. I'm pretty sure I outscored your whole department. <laughs> Actually, we had a 94 average. I, I want you to know. My average was 114. The church, the church doesn't know that the staff took a test over the the um, the core values. Maybe and, just go around and tell us our what was the grade? Bear, what was your grade? I think it's an A. No. <laughs> no. It was A. I think it's close. I, I, I do worship. <laughs> I sing. <laughs> I sing a lot. But I mean, talking about flunking, how about that Easter egg hunt? The helicopter thing was cool. Parking, was parking, not so much. But we came back and we did a Hawaiian Falls of God rocks. That's, That's true. true. That's, That's true. true. That was That's awesome. True. That was an awesome yeah, family. Way to redeem yourself. <laughs> I want to affirm David right now. I don't care what sweater he's wearing today. I, I, I affirm David. I, I want to affirm him too. Oh my God! And I'm gonna back away. And I don't want to affirm him. It was a great, great year for Easter this year. A lot of people. Uh, Help! We had a great turnout, and uh, we're looking to do something different in 2010. I remember uh, solemn assembly. 
a 21 day fast. Yeah. You know what I loved about that is there was a dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit. There was a unity. We had all our you know people together in one service at night. There was a richness of the presence of the Lord. It was balanced. It was rich. You knew God was in the midst. People had been fasting. I don't know. I walked out of here that night feeling like this is North Place Church. This is the identity that God has given this church, a place where the presence of God shows up, Pentecostal church in the 21st century. Um, and yet there is, there is a balance. There is an intellectual engagement, um, a sense of conviction. Um, it was an awesome night. One of the things for me was the prodigal God. I think that whole series solidified what we had been teaching or learning throughout the year. I think it just closed the deal of turning the heart of our church inside out. It made the going public baptism cooler too, because instead of just an individual getting baptized, it was like your whole small group, all this family of people got baptized. So instead of one person going down in the water, it was we celebrated together. It was awesome because you knew that person and you knew that story and they just weren't a face on a screen. If we were somehow to telescopically look back 20 years, all these things are great memories, great series. They made impact in people's lives. But if we get this small group thing and it becomes more than a semester, it becomes a culture in this church, it will be the most significant uh, transformation in spiritual growth, uh, assimilating new people, uh, seeing people discipled. It, it'll be one of the most significant things that has happened to keep this church growing in, in the 21st century. I really believe we'll look back on that moment in the launch of small groups and say, that was a significant moment in the history of this church. Probably one of my uh, most memorable things was uh, the Venue Live uh, CD launch. You can pick up your copy now. <laughs> it's only $10 in the bookstore. Not only CD, but DVD too. God gave some specific words to Pastor Brian, and Pastor Brian shared that with the congregation and said that the hard soil would be made soft, and those that were uh, not submissive to the gospel or receptive to it would, would be. And we saw a huge influx of souls, a big harvest of souls come in, in just a matter of a few weeks, and it, it was pretty amazing to see that. There's a microphone in my face right now. So. I know, I'm not doing anything. Over here, over here, just mind a moment. This, this happens all the time. We were fine. It's getting louder. And I felt that, that God wanted Jackson Senyonga to come. I just love the way, in that moment, God spoke to our hearts, we obeyed. Uh, God's guests showed up, preached our hearts, people responded, we worshiped with fervency, but all throughout the building simultaneously, people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What really touched my heart about that whole group of services with Jackson Sinyonga is watching Ed Fox in the back of the room with his hands raised, knowing that God's healing, healing him of cancer right there. He felt it in his body, he felt God moving in him, and, and uh, just a neat testimony. That, that Ed has about what God started in his life right there in, in that service in the back of the sanctuary. We still did what we needed to do for mission. We never missed a beat providing for our missionaries. We never backed up from anything. In fact, you guys went to Belize and did more than you'd ever done for a group of pastors just because we hit on mission. Then it started even back in March when we had our mission celebration, which was just a cool night where we got to see all the nations represented, or a cool after morning where all the nations were represented on stage. One of the series we didn't talk about that I still get a lot of feedback is that honor series. And we honored all the teachers at Saxe High School, and uh, I still get feedback because they'll be like, oh, you're the church that did this. Or every time I get pulled over, I remind the Saxe Police Department that we, we bought them <laughs> breakfast. And that usually works. Um, but it was, no, no, on a serious note, that was an incredible series. Part of extravagant generosity. I think we're getting known for that in the community, and that's a great brand to have. I mean, it was a, it's a, it was a great, great series, I thought. These really were impromptu conversations. We um, sat around, started talking about 09, and 
in the last Sunday of the year and, and kind of just kind of walked in. Somebody grabbed a camera and started recording and that's how you got this video. And the way the year ended, uh, I don't know that God could have set it up any better to prepare us for 2010. Some months ago, he gave us the heart to make the theme for 2010, others. And the next year is going to be about others. And I loved because 2009 ended with our emphasis on others. We loved on people. We met their needs. We reminded them of where that God knows their address. He cares about them. And I believe it continued to turn our hearts as a congregation inside out. There were 2009 was full of a lot of heartaches and hang-ups and hurts. But mixed in with all of that pain was some of the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit, some miracles, and some of God's handiwork. And that's what we choose to celebrate. Learn from our mistakes, celebrate our wins, and with expectant faith, look towards 2010. I'm so glad you're on this journey with us, and I can't wait to see what God does in the next few weeks. And I will try to fix you. I want to ask you to stand to your feet for the next few minutes, and I want us to thank God for 2009. I believe we had an awesome word during the time of worship of not being afraid, and we have to remember the good things God has done for us in 2009. A lot of times we're so quick just to move to our New Year resolutions and, and, and building into the future with our fears and insecurities and, and the things that, that, that God is still at work in our lives, but we forget to celebrate. And I want us to celebrate the next few moments. 2009 was a good year, but 2010 is going to be even better. And by the time you leave this place, if, 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 if that's not what is in your heart right now, it's what is going to be by the time we're done today. Amen? So I want you to take the next few minutes and, and remember 2009 and thank God. Because God is at work behind the scenes. Even those things that you don't realize they were good, things that the enemy intended for you to be destroyed, God is turning them around and he is laying a foundation for 2010. Amen? So let's take the next few minutes and just worship him, just thank him, just say, God, I thank you for 2009. Lord, it has been a great year. Father, there are times in that year that have not been easy. Lord, with the economy, with the situation, maybe family issues, maybe challenges in life. But Father, we come before the throne of grace to say thank you for 2009. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, because you have increased our faith. We thank you, Lord, because we have taken steps in the right direction. We thank you, God, because you are at work behind the scenes. We thank you, God, for the miracles that took place in our lives during 2009. We thank you, God, even for that that we do not understand today. We step forward in faith, and today we say we thank you, O oh God. We thank you, O oh Lord. We thank you, O oh God. We thank you for the miracle of salvation. We thank you, O oh God, for what you have done in our families. We thank you, O oh God, for what you have done in this church. We thank you, O oh God, for the seeds that have been planted that will produce great fruit in 2010. We thank you for your presence in our midst today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because as we pray, as we worship you, Lord, I know that your ear is attentive to our prayer because this prayer of thanksgiving at this moment is laying the foundation to receive the blessings for 2010. I thank you. I honor you. I worship you, oh God. I say, Lord, that you are the greatest. 
You are the best. You are mighty. You are worthy. Lord, you are my rock. You are my door. You are my strength. You are my bread of life. You are wonderful. You are my counselor. You are my savior. You are God, the one that says everything is possible. I thank you, oh God, because nothing is impossible without you. Today we celebrate you, and today we honor you. Give the Lord a, a clap, an offering, a hand clap, and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our lives this year. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The minutes that we're going to spend together, I have titled it, Next Year is Going to Be Better. Amen? Look at your neighbor and tell them, next year is going to be better. Next year is going to be better. And in this last Sunday of 2009, I want to direct your attention to Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And while you look, up, look, up and you look that up in your, in your Bible, I want to thank you for the privilege to allow me to speak to you this morning. I want to thank Pastor Brian, who's away, but asked me to preach. And I am blessed, I'm honored to be here today, and I do not take it lightly. I feel the word has placed, the Lord has placed a word in my heart that, that is for you, is for you this morning. And uh, we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to take these verses, we're going to read them first, we're going to study them, and then we're going to own, take ownership of the promise that is contained in that verse. And as you begin to make your New Year's resolution list, you're going to take ownership of that promise that's included in that verse. Zechariah chapter 2 says, Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line. And I want to repeat that. There before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? Say, where are you going? We're going to take that question. We're going to use it later. So store it away. Where are you going? He answered me to measure Jerusalem to find out how wide and how long it is. Then the angel who was speaking to me, making reference to Zechariah, left And another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it. Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. This passage is a promise of God. It speaks about the future, and I understand that. I I understand the context of it, but I also understand that the promises of God are alive and are for all of his people. Do you know that when God gets involved, there are no limits? When God gets involved, there are no boundaries that can contain him or affect you. Jerusalem will be a city without walls. A woman without walls, a man without walls in 2010, that is God's promise for you today. Today I'm going to give you three reasons why next year is going to be better. Three reasons why next year is going to be better. Number one is the promise of God. And 
points one and two. I'm going to move through quickly and spend more time on point number three. But number one, next year is going to be better because is the promise of God. God in His Word wants us to move from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, it doesn't say some of all. It doesn't say those that are, that are healthy. It doesn't say those that are well off financially. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from what? From glory to glory. From what? Glory to glory, just as the Lord, the Spirit. From glory to glory, from victory to victory, from power to power, but it doesn't stop there. When you look at chapter 4 of Proverbs, it says that we are like the dawn that shines brighter and brighter, brighter and brighter. It says, but the path of the righteous, that would be your path, is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. How many of you are shining brighter and brighter next year? I know I am. I want to shine brighter and brighter next year. You will grow, not because I said so. You will grow, not because it was a great idea and I want to send you off with a motivational speech. You will grow because it's in the Word of God and it is His promise. His Word is truth. His Word is absolute. And it will come become real in your life. When God says it will be better, you can count on it. When God says it will be better, you can count on it. When God promises something, He fulfills His promises to you. Next year is going to be better than this year, and we declare it because it's in the Word of God. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Matthew Henry, on his commentary, said, We need to be of good cheer because he overcame the world. But the next statement is what really impressed me. He conquered the world not for himself only, but for us. He conquered the world for us, his followers, and we need to be partakers of his victory. He conquered the grave, he conquered the world, and he reigns in victory. My second point today, next year is going to be better because we're not starting from zero. You're not starting from square one. As difficult as 2001 may have been, as challenging as it may have been, as great as it may have been, as many blessings as you receive, there was something you were able to do in 2009. There is something you achieved in 2009. There there was something in your emotional life, in your spiritual life, in your physical life, financially or socially, with your family or in ministry that you were able to achieve. I did a very informal survey with a few Christians. And I asked the question, how were you blessed in 2009? And all of them, everybody, not even one, had to think about what was great about 2009. And sometimes we forget that all things work for the good of those that believe. So don't be prompt, don't be quick to forget the great things, the miracles that God did in your life in 2009. For the next few moments, I want you to think about that. I want you to think, what did I achieve this year? What did you achieve this year in 2009? What did you achieve? Because that's your foundation. You're not starting from zero in 2010. It's a new decade. It's it's not only a new year, it's a new decade. 
But God laid a foundation in 2009. There is something you learned in 2009. A lot of times we oversee the great things that God is doing in our lives, the trends, the patterns, because we forget to study our own story. When you don't tell your own story, you're basically not telling the story of redemption that God, of what God is doing in your life. There are things you started to do this year that are good for you, and you're still doing them. There are miracles that God has done for you this year that you need to praise him for. There is faith inside of you that has grown as a result of the experiences and the things that you went through in 2009. Prayers that you have already prayed in 2009 that you have not seen answered, but those prayers have been sent already to heaven. Things that you did that you probably would have never done before. Relationships that ended that were harming you and they needed to finish. Disciplines that you established in 2009 in certain areas of your life that helped you establish a foundation. Maybe you decided to spend more time with family. Maybe you started attending a small group for the very first time. Maybe you started conversations with your spouse about issues that had never been discussed before that needed to be discussed. Maybe you started reading the Bible regularly or praying regularly. Things happen that at a glance look insignificant, but they are the foundation of what God is going to do in 2010. They were necessary for you to increase your faith for what God has for you in 2010. In 2010, you will not start from zero. That's why next year is going to be better. Amen? It's not a matter of, well, let's see what happens. Let's see how it goes. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm afraid. There is fear in me. There's a lot of uncertainty about what God is going to do in my ministry, in my life, in my family, in my job, in my career, with my children. But what you learned in 2009, what you accomplished in 2009, what you lived in 2009 is a step forward. Say a step forward step forward. That is why 2010 is going to be better. I grew in 2010. Say, I grew in 2010. I grew in 2009. I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) I'm, I'm really into the prophetic today. 2009, we learned the things that we needed to learn. Amen? It's from that point that you start this year. Remember that. You're not starting from square one. That foundation is your seed for 2010, and that seed will produce fruit. The maturity, the growth that you acquired, what you learned this year is something that God planted in your life. And what God plants, no one can uproot. What God plants, no one can take away. What God plants, listen to me well, what God planted in your life this year, no one can take it away from you. What you accomplished, what you lived through as difficult as it was, has roots and those roots are growing. Many times we waste a lot of time and a lot of thoughts, well, thinking, what if it's taken away? Well, what if I make another mistake? Well, what, I, what about if I'm not prepared? What about if I make a poor choice? But you got to remember what God planted, no one can uproot. What is yours is yours. Amen? What God planted, no one can uproot. My third and last point today, next year is going to be better because I will not set limits on God. 
Next year is going to be better because you will not set limits on God. This year we have learned things. This year we have done things. This year he achieved things in your life to lay a foundation that were necessary. But too many times we become experts at setting limits, at setting boundaries for God in our lives and what we could do. We are experts at setting a frontier. We become experts. We put limits on what God could do in our lives, in our marriage, in our, in our job situation, in our finances, in our generosity, in our trips, in our, in our vacation time. There are certain things that we still don't dare to imagine. We could say, well, we grew spiritually, but there are certain things we don't have enough faith to pray about and believe that God could do that in our lives. Maybe this year you dare to pray certain things that you never prayed before, but there is still a better prayer. There is still a better prayer to come. We have to do away with boundaries in 2010. We have to do away with the limits that we place on God. There is a tape measure. It reminds me of my dad. My dad always had a tape measure. Don't ask me why. But he loved to measure things. I mean, he was a handyman, and I'm not, and maybe that's why I don't understand it. But he always had a, 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 a tape measure. And everywhere we went, he loved to measure things. And when he actually forgot to take his, his, his tape measure with him, he will measure with his feet. One, two. And I said, well, Dad, what are you doing? Shh, I'm measuring. He would measure rooms with his feet. So anyways... We need to remember that as humans, we love to measure. You may not carry a, a tape measure in your pocket or your purse or your, or your trunk. Maybe you do. <laughs> but most of us carry a mental tape measure. And as soon as God begins to plant a thought of something great that he wants to do in your life, you begin to take that tape measure out and you begin to set limits on God. We love to measure. We love to measure. That passage we read earlier in Zechariah tells us about a young man that wanted to measure the city. He wanted to measure Jerusalem. He wanted to see how wide and how long because we love to measure everything. We love to measure our blessings. We love to measure the life of others. We love to measure our achievements. We love to measure what we can do, what we cannot do. We measure everything and everybody. We love to measure. And God says, if you want to be if you want to be better, if you want next year to be better, a better year, you have to let go of the measuring line. You have to let go of the measuring line. You have to let go of your limits. You have to let go of your boundaries. Sometimes we don't even realize it's so natural to us. It's so second nature to us that we don't realize we are putting limits or boundaries on God on what he could do in our lives. God says next year, your spouse will be healed. And you say, Lord, but, but you know his situation. You, you see what we've gone through this year. We're measuring God. God says next year your child will start college. You think, Lord, we, you know, financial aid and problems and his GPA. And, and he, I don't even know if he's going to make it through high school. You're putting measures on God. You're setting limits. God says, next year I'm going to give you a small group that is going to be thriving and growing. And you think, well, God, last year they had to cancel my group because nobody attended. I'm not sure I'm popular enough. I'm not sure I know how to do this thing. I'm not sure I was effective at the small group I had. I'm not sure the attendance was right. We're setting limits again on God. God says, I will give you a better job next year. Well, God, I, I'm, I don't know. I 
I never completed my continued education. I never, I dropped the ball, you know. I know so many people that are in the same field I am and with the economy, you know, I'm going to pray, but I'm not sure you're setting limits on God again. Next year, God says, next year your marriage is going to be strong. I will make it strong in you, Lord, but... Look at this year. It's gone from bad to worse. Lord, we go to the counselor. I don't even like the counselor. You know, it's not even going well. You're setting limits on what God could do in your life. He says, next year, your ministry is going to explode. And you begin to say, well, Lord, I've lost people. You know, I could hardly keep volunteers. My leadership skills, my insecurities, my doubt, my past, my lack of experience, my lack of talent. You're measuring God's blessing. You're trying to set limits on God. You are placing limits on God, and you are placing limits on your blessing. Did you know that the Pharisees love to measure how much you give, how much you don't give, how much you do, how much you sin, how many times do you forgive? Pharisees, they love to measure. And sometimes we become like Pharisees. Every time God wants to do something big in our lives, limitation comes to our mind. We're putting God in a box, and we're setting limits for God. This year, God wants you to throw away the measuring line. God wants you to throw away the measuring line because he wants to do with you and for you something that is far too great for you to understand. Whenever God intervenes, in whatever God intervenes, whatever God gets involved in, It doesn't have limits. A lot of times in theory, we understand that. But in our day-to-day, we doubt that. In theory, we understand all things are possible for those who believe. There is nothing impossible for God. But when it comes to the practicality of it, we really don't believe God could do it for me this year. We don't believe God has laid a foundation in our hearts, in our experience, in our life, so that he has, that it will produce the fruit so he has the opportunity and the fertile ground to make it happen. What limits did you place on God in 2009? What limits? My spouse will not change. Money is not going to be enough. This business will not work. This ministry will not take off. I will not be able to get a career. I will not have a powerful ministry. I will not have my own house. The limit you place on God is in reality how much you believe God. I'll let that sink for a moment. The limit you place on God is in reality how much you believe God. One thing is to say, And another thing is to do. Amen? God wants you to take all the stops this year in 2010. All the limits you have placed around him. When God spoke to many men and women on the Bible, they also placed limits on God. When God spoke to Gideon, he said, Lord, I'm the youngest. (laughs) Who is going to listen to me? Lord, I'm the youngest in the house of my father. He started putting limits. God said, I want to do this. Gideon said, well, who's going to listen to me? Who am I? Who am I to accomplish that task? Why don't you speak to a leader? Why don't you speak to Pastor Brian? Why don't you speak to a leader of influence? I don't even have a position in the church. Who am I? Who is going to listen to me? When God called Moses, another example, you all know that story. God said, go and free my people, Moses. And Moses pulled out the measuring line. Why are you sending me? 
I can't even speak right. I'm not eloquent. I am insecure. I am slow of speech. Moses placed a limit. We all like to measure. Lord, with my level of education, with my background, with my accent, with with my, my limited life experience in the church world, Lord, I have never completed anything. I have a trend in my life that when things get tough, I always quit. Lord, this, this is not going to take me anywhere. I've made so many poor choices, so many mistakes. Lord, with the family I have and the testimony I have, God also spoke to Abraham and Sarah. And promised them a son. And they immediately took out their measuring line. They said, Lord, we are old. Is that the limit you are placing on God this morning? You're saying, well, I'm too old to start something new. Well, been there, done that. (laughs) You are tired or retired. (laughs) You're retired and enjoying your retirement. And God is speaking to you something new in your life. A new season in your life. What is the limitation that you are placing on God. I'm too old. Well, didn't work for Sarah or Abraham. Deep inside of us, we all have limits that we place on God. What is the metric? What is the measuring line you are using to measure God's blessing? God wants you to break those limits. My invitation to you today is, will you break those limits today? What limits are you placing on God? Too many times we place limits on God based on what we know, based on what we see, based on our circumstance, based on our past. But he's saying, if you based your limits of what I could do based on what you cannot do, you have it all wrong. Because he is the one that came to bring hope where there was no hope. He was the one that came to make the impossible possible, not just for certain people, but for you as well in 2010. I encourage you that before you begin making another New Year's resolution list, release your faith. Say, this year, I will release my faith. I will release my faith. God has no limits. I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to begin to release your faith. This is not something for you to study and, and forget it. This is something I want you to act upon right now. While the material is fresh, while the information is fresh, while the Holy Spirit is prompting you with ideas and thoughts and seeds that He has already planted in 2009 about things that, that, that He wanted you to develop. He wanted you to overcome. He, want to bring, he wants to bring growth into your life. He wants to bring prosperity into your life. He wants to bring success into your life. He wants to bring wholeness into your life. He wants to bring you to a new level where you've never been. And you have the option of staying exactly where you are. Or you have the option to look around you at all the great things that God has done in 2009 and say, God, 2010 marks a new era in my life. 2010 begins a new decade, not only in the physical, but also in the spiritual. 2010 will bring something new, not because of who I've been, but because of who you are and what you did for me on the cross. I will stop looking at my past. I will stop looking at my failures. I will stop looking at the things I was not able to do. And I will focus on the things that you have done. I will focus on the victory. I will focus on resurrection. And this is the year where I release my faith.
God wants to do something great in North Place Church. Hallelujah. Just speak to God in the next few moments and begin to tell Him, God, I want to release my faith. Lord, next year is going to be a better year. I want to go where you want to take me. I want to go where you want to take me. Release your faith this morning. When the angel spoke to Mary, he told her, Mary, you will have a child. And Mary said, how is that possible? I'm a virgin. And the angel responded, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the powers of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible for God. For nothing is impossible with God. Repeat that. That's the Word of God. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary probably said, well, I don't understand. (laughs) But may it be as you have said. Let that be your prayer. Let that be your prayer. Let Let it be your discourse this year. Let it be your thought process. Let that get hold of your heart, get hold of your spirit, get hold of your soul, and begin declaring and say, Lord, next year is going to be a better year because that's what you say in your word. Next year is going to be a better year because that is what you promise. Next year is going to be a better year because I am not starting from zero. Next year is going to be a better year because I will not set limits on what you could do in my life, in my family, in my job, in my finances, in my level of depth, in my level of commitment, in my level of generosity, in everything. God, I release my faith today. Father, I pray that you take away our limits. Take the limits from our heart and from our spirit. Lord, today and all of next year, may it be to me as you have said. May it be to your people as you have said. Father, I take away the limits I have placed on you and I release my faith. Today I release my faith in the name of Jesus. Let 2010 be a year of opportunities. Let 2010 be a year of supernatural favor of God in your life. Let 2010 be a year of peace in your life and in your home. Let 2010 fool you with God's goodness and presence in your life. Let 2010 be a year of explosive ministry. Let 2010 be a year of open doors in your life. Let 2010 be a year of healing in your life. Tell him, God, I can't, but you can. God, I can't, but you can. God, last year was good but next year is going to be better. God, I believe. Get ready this year, church. Get ready for what is good. Get ready for what is holy. Get ready for your blessing. Open your arms because your arms will not be enough to sustain the blessing God has for you in 2010. Whenever you start doubting, you got to remember that passage in Zechariah where the angel told a young man, Where are you going? When doubt begins to filter in your mind, I pray God speaks that same word he spoke and says, where are you going? When God begins to tell you, I'm doing something great in your family, 
And you say, well, Lord, God speaks to your heart. Where are you going mentally? Where are you going with that thought? I told you I have blessings for you this year. I told you I have healing. I told you I have greatness for you. What are you measuring? Your strength? What are you measuring? Your resources? What are you measuring? The people that are going to help you? I told you when God says, I am, boy, get ready. When God gives you a promise, you have to get ready. When next time doubt comes and you want to begin setting limits in your life and you want to begin setting limits in your ministry and your family, whatever God is telling your business, God is going to speak to your life and say, what are you measuring? What are you measuring? Are you measuring or are you standing on my word? Are you measuring or are you standing on my promises? My promises are yes and amen and my power has no limits. Remember God's spoken blessing over you and your family. Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it. And I will be its glory within, declares the Lord. In 2010, be a person without limits. Be a person without limits. Do you believe that? I believe that. Because God is the hope of the world. You are the hope of the world because you are the church. And God said, don't leave until I have, I have blessed you with my Holy Spirit. And He has done that. Let 2010 be a year without limits. With this song, we're going to leave today celebrating. Amen? Because next year is going to be a great year. Next year is going to be a better year. Amen. Going back